Welcome to Proof Beyond Reason. This is Mike the Baptist. We haven't done an episode in in quite some time, and part of the reason is that we've taken a sabbatical of sorts. Each of us have been working on different projects individually, uh, and so we hope to get back to making some episodes for you guys soon. Uh, But in the meantime, I received a text message from a friend asking me the following question. I thought it was fitting to use this platform to address the question, and it says this, Hey, brother, when the Bible said, come to him, those who are tired, and God will give them rest, how do I truly do so? How do I come to him fully? I want to thank the person that asked the question. And so uh, the question is really based on uh, the verse from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus uh, says, I'm using my trusted Bible app here, ESV says, uh, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For us to really understand what he's talking about, we have to look at, I would, I would say, start reading from Matthew chapter 4, because you have to get the context of who he's addressing and the events that led up to that statement. And how Jesus is, is revealing who he is to the, these people. Just little nuggets at a time, right? So in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus overcomes temptation from the devil. And right there, really, he's establishing and proving who he is. He doesn't need help from any outside source outside of God. He is sufficient with the word of God. And Jesus' ministry begins. And he calls on his first disciples. And then we see later on in, in, in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. And he healed them. And great crowds followed him. And they followed him from all over, right? As he's traveling. His reputation is following him. So people are, are, are gathering when he's there because they know that he, is, he has this power to heal. And who wouldn't want to be healed, right? Maybe they don't agree with his message, but man, he's given away something amazing and they all want part of it. So as you go along and you continue to read, you see that not only is Jesus coming uh, and he's, he's resisting temptation, right? He's, he's picking a, a disciple, disciples for himself, and he's speaking in a way that is unique. He's speaking with an authority beyond that of the Pharisees. He's speaking with an authority beyond that of the Sadducees. And he's doing, performing miracles, which is the proclamation of the kingdom which wasn't previously seen in this way, but he is performing miracles and people are following him. They're like, who is this? And then uh, you go to Matthew chapter five and he's preaching. And he's preaching in a way that goes beyond the letter of the law. And you have a crowd of people that, you know, you might have Pharisees, you might have uh, very religious, very religious people in the crowd. You might have irreligious people, those who, who, who don't 
subscribe to to a faith, um, you know, or maybe they're they're practitioners, but they don't really believe, right? We have that. I could say, you know, at one point in my life, that was the same. I didn't really own my belief, my faith. I practiced it. I thought I knew, but to really have a relationship with God, right? And so, uh, in chapter five, he's he's getting to that place where he's addressing it beyond the letter of the law. He's talking about us as people, the heart. He's addressing the heart of the people. He's talk, He's addressing our thought life, and we see that as a theme when you're when you go through Matthew chapter five. He's talking about anger and lust, and he's talking about divorce and the oaths that we take, and and he's taking it a step beyond again what the letter of the law would suggest what the interpretation that the Pharisees would give of the law. He is taking it one step further, and he's pointing out how flawed we are, how, how much of a deficit we are in when it comes to fully abiding in the law, fully giving ourselves to God, loving God with all our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, everything. 100% of everything in these chapters, as you go through chapter six and you go through chapter seven, he's showing us who we really are. When he's saying things like, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And it's like, What? And he's saying, Why do you see a speck? That is in your brother's eye, and you don't notice the log that is in your own. How often do we all face that, right? How often do we do we put ourselves in a position where we're looking at how other people are spending their money, how other people are doing their things, and we're not looking at ourselves and and really uh, taking ownership over our activities on our own, right? In any case, he's going and he's talking uh, uh, continually, right? He. And he's saying to them, he's warning them about where are they placing their trust and hope in? What are you ultimately giving your lives to? Where is your faith lie? And people are placing their faith, as we see you know, in verse, uh, in the section uh, of chapter 7, Matthew 7, uh, 20, verses 24 uh, to 27, where he talks about the foundation. What is your faith built upon? Is it built upon sand? Is it when the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and it beat upon the house that is built upon sand and it falls mightily? But when it's built on rock, when it has a strong foundation, the floods can come and the winds will blow, but that house will continue to stand because your faith is built on something that it cannot be moved. And much of what that time period, and, and even in today, in some religious circles that claim to have Christianity as their backdrop, their faith is not in the Word of God. Their faith is not in, in the person of God himself, but it is more so in tradition. It's more so in human effort. It's more so in the people, exalting people as the ultimate rather than god having that only position of authority we have some religious groups that are raising up saint 
facts and and praying to to other people and deifying other people, which is very strange because Scripture doesn't promote that, nor does Jesus himself in the in in the writings of Scripture does not promote that. And so as we continue to read, right, we continue to read and we see Jesus going back and he's doing these miracles, cleansing lepers and uh, healing the sick. Um, and, and he's doing uh, so many, so many things. And then there comes a point in Matthew chapter eight where he calms the storm. And he speaks to the storm. He says here, uh, the people who are with him on the boat, his disciples. They see the storm and they went and they woke him in verse 25 saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing because apparently this storm was crazy. And he's sleeping, he's chilling. And he said, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled. The people who were with him were like, yo, who is this dude? What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Jesus, again, is establishing who he is, overcoming the temptation from the devil himself, doing miraculous signs and wonders in the proclamation of the kingdom, speaking with great authority in a way that no one else has spoken, and even beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees where he says it very clearly. He says, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. And if you're a Pharisee sitting there in the crowd, you're like, wait, 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 wait. I'm the interpreter of the law. I'm the one who's, who's letting you know. I'm putting you on notice. And he's, Jesus is saying, your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. That's like, whoa, who is this man that has the, the authority to say that over the Pharisees? And then again, his disciples saying, who is this man that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus is putting himself in that place. And he continues to heal, as we see in verse in Matthew 9. And... And I'm skimming through really quickly. And then we get to, to, to Matthew 10. And this is crazy right here. Because in Matthew 10, the start of Matthew 10, verse 1, it says, And he called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. What in the world? Who is this guy? who resists the devil, who does miraculous signs, who speaks to the, to, to the wind, to what we would call nature, right? There's a storm. He speaks to it. It calms. The winds obey him. He speaks with the authority above the Pharisees, saying you need to, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. He's challenging you to a great degree. And not only that, he transfers authority over to his disciples to do the miraculous signs proclaiming the kingdom of God as he was doing. That's insane. Absolutely insane. So he's positioning himself and he's showing who he is. And the crowds that had been following him. Now, I don't have a time period where how long this took place, how many days, how many weeks, whatever it was. But there's... 
but as he's establishing who he is before his audience. You get to where Matthew 11, where he's showing you, he's telling you, he's telling the people that are, that are, that are, that are following him, the crowds that are around him. He tells them in verse 21, woe to you. Because it comes a point where, man, well, I'm going to even go back. I'm going to go back further. I'm getting excited, so I'm jumping ahead. But you go back a little further, and John the Baptist, if you know John the Baptist, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. So it's, this is a public event. And he proclaims that Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist, out of his mouth, proclaims this about Jesus. Matthew 11, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, this is John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, all the things that I mentioned, he sent word by his disciples. So, and he said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look? Or another. What? Didn't you just proclaim that you proclaimed this dude as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world? Now you're questioning because you're in prison. And that's how we are. This is who we are. We think we got it. We think we know it. We 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 think and we get to this point of doubt, insecurity. Lack of understanding, lack of clarity. We're no longer sober-minded, but we get, we get foggy. We're human. This is the humanity, right? John the Baptist, the human. And, he, and, and so Jesus says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. <sighs> maybe John, maybe, 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 maybe John already heard about all the things that were going on and he was skeptical. He was offended by the things that Jesus did. Maybe, I don't know. But that last statement there, boom, blesses the one who is not offended by me. And they went away and Jesus began to speak to the crowd. And in speaking with the crowds, he talks about, and, and he, raises, he raises John the Baptist up. He doesn't knock him down. He raises him up. He says in verse 11, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. No one greater than John the Baptist. Greatest man ever lived. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So you got to get to the kingdom of heaven. Right now, in this, in this example, as I have a car driving by me, um, in this example, John the Baptist is, right, is, is he's there, and in the story, he's, he's on earth, right? He's in prison. But Jesus is saying the least of the, the, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violent and the violent take it by four for the prophets and the law prophesy until John and so he's he's letting them know he's like man these guys these are the guys you listen to and as he's addressing the crowd these are the people you listen to you listen to the prophets you listen to John John is the greatest and he proclaimed me he talked about me but then John came neither eating nor drinking and they said he has demon and the son of man came eating he came eating and drinking and they said look at him either way there's criticism either way there's 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 inconsistency in the judgment. And so Jesus addresses it. He's like, man, if I would have done these miracles, if I would have proclaimed what I proclaim, what, what, if I would have demonstrated what I've already demonstrated, if I, would have spoke, if I would have spoken the way I am speaking to you in, in, in Sodom, they would have repented. For, and it says in verse 23, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. God would not have destroyed Sodom. It would have remained to this day because the people would have repented. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. And this is shocking because this is a people, this is a, the, a people that are listening to Jesus, seeing the miracle. They hear his authority. They're starting to get this data, data collection of who is this person. And he lets them know, man, on the day of judgment, it's going to be better for Sodom than it is for you. Because you don't listen. You don't receive. And then he goes on to give them more of who he is. He's like, I thank you, Father. No one else addressed God as Father. He's addressing God as Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me. This is verse 27. Jesus now giving them the entire crowd, even though they've seen it, they've heard it, now he's given the full authority of who he is. All things have been handed over to me by my father. Who is his father, you ask? It says it in the previous verse, verse 25. It says, Lord of heaven and earth. That is his father. That is who Jesus is speaking about. That is who Jesus is speaking to. Go back to verse 27, Matthew 11. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Man, he's giving you who he is. He's like, yo, I'm the Son of God, baby. <laughs> that is who I am. So I have all authority. I have all authority over heaven and earth. When he's speaking to that group and he's telling them, it's going to be better for Sodom than it is for you guys. He is speaking from a position that on the day of judgment, he will be present. He's speaking from a position 
in which my father has given me all authority. Insane. Absolutely insane. This is the person who is standing in front of this crowd. They've witnessed all the things I mentioned before and that you would have read if you read Matthew 4 through Matthew 11. And then finally, we get to the verse. We get to the question that was asked. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus. The one that everyone was like, who is this? The one who has authority. The one we've seen do these amazing things. He speaks in a way that is holding accountability much higher than just superficial following of the law and impressing those around us. No, he is addressing the heart of the matter. And ultimately, he's addressing the fact that we are all sinners. We all fall short of God's perfect standards. As you read Matthew 4 to 11, if you come away reading Matthew 4 to Matthew chapter 4 through Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, if you come away reading those chapters, believing that you were good enough to evade the judgment of God, if you believe that you are perfect enough to have obeyed the law perfectly, then I would challenge you to examine yourself that much more. Because there's no way, if you're honest with yourself, that you can read those verses and say, yeah, that's me. I don't judge. My anger is perfect. I, 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 I uh, you know, when, I, when it comes to the poor, I address them. The, everything's per- the right way. Yeah, right. Jesus is addressing the heart issue. And we all fall short. If we read Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul gives us that clear interpretation. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, uh, I'm going to go there really quickly. It's one of my favorite verses uh, because I grew up Catholic. And growing up in the Catholic Church, you know, we, we have a prayer. We, we prayed, um, you know, uh, uh, Hail Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, right? And, and, we, and we put Mary in a position of deity. We, in the system, it, it deifies Mary. And so we, we pray to her. That's a, that's a prayer that we give. And I remember coming across Luke chapter 11, verse 27. And Jesus, you know, rebuking unclean spirits. Jesus is doing what he's doing, right? He's uh, in Luke. He's teaching. He's healing. He's doing all this stuff. And we get to verse 27. And, he's, and a woman yells out in the crowd. It says, As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb who bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And then Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In other interpretation, other versions, it says, 
Blessed are those who hear the word of God. No, he says even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So this woman who wanted to elevate the, the woman, the, 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 the mother, right, the earthly mother of Jesus, wanted to elevate this woman to a place that she's blessed. And Jesus is like, yeah, she's blessed, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice, right? He's like, I didn't come here for that. I didn't come here to relinquish my control. I, it was through me. It was through Jesus all creation existed. Or was all, all of creation was made. And sustains to this day. It was, it's through Jesus. It's Jesus coming here, humbling himself, being the word of God, through whom all things were made, for whom all things were made, humbled himself, took on the likeness of man to fulfill the law. As you read through that, those chapters in Matthew, he says, I, I didn't come to abolish the law came to fulfill the law. And we see the great authority of who Jesus is. And so if we want to know, to answer the question directly, how do we rest in in him? How do we confide in him? If we can't confide in the one who is the mediator, the one who, who has saved, who has presented himself as a propitiation for sin, the one who has given himself up so that the wrath of God does not come upon us. Instead, the wrath of God was received by Jesus and those who would, who would receive Christ, those who would proclaim Jesus as their Lord, they wouldn't have to undergo the wrath of God. So he saves us from God's wrath. He saves us from ourselves, our foolish thinking, our idolatrous mind. He saves us. So how do we get rest? How do we fully confide in? How do I give him my burden? Speak to him. Get into his word. Know who he is. Understand uh, at the church that I go to, um, there's this understanding of we need to have a gospel identity before we jump into gospel activity. I need to know who I am in Christ. But first, before I know who I am in Christ, I have to know who Christ is. And the failure of knowing who Christ is and the ultimate authority that he has over all of creation, over death over you, the people that are listening, over me, until we get to that point that we understand who Jesus is, then we really don't understand who we are in light of Christ. So know who Jesus is. Dig into who Christ is, and then you'll know that if we have been given this, this grace that we don't deserve, that we've broken the law, that he has given us the grace of himself, that we would have a relationship with him in spite of the fact that we, uh, we have put a position ourselves as his enemies because of our, our behavior, because of our thought life, because of our failure to obey the law. 
all the laws of God, all the things that he expects, the things that we the, the, the things that we're supposed to do that we don't do, the things that we're not supposed to do that we do, our pure nature, again, the thinking, the everything, everything will disqualify us from perfection. And as we consider that, we realize if God is perfect, if God is holy, there's nothing in me good enough to meet his expectation. Or his standard. And so he has to provide the way. Because I fall short. Because of my, the sin that I produce. The sin nature in which I inherited. Because of all the sin generations of my family. And obviously the sin nature from Adam and Eve. I disqu- I'm disqualified. God owes me nothing except condemnation. But Jesus came to say, you're already condemned, but I didn't come to condemn. He came to liberate. So how do we rest? Got to know who he is. We got to establish that identity in Christ. And, And to rest is to relinquish, is to speak to him saying, God, I, I don't have it all together. I know who I am. If I'm real with myself, if I stop trying to pretend, I know I fall short of your glory. And so in that, we can trust, not in ourselves. So that's where he's addressing it, right? That's where Jesus in, that, in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where he's presenting that to the people that he's speaking to. He's already set the bar so high for them that there's this reality that according to what Jesus has proclaimed, we don't meet. We don't meet it. We don't meet the standard. But in God, in Christ alone, the fulfillment of the law takes place. He takes upon our, our unrighteousness, and he gives to us his righteousness by adopting us as his children. And the wrath of God that should come upon us has already come upon him. That is the good news. So we are no longer God's enemy. Those who are in Christ. We are his children. And that as this world fades, as this world crumbles, as the, the, the grass withers, the flowers fade, as our bodies I wake up with pains in my shoulder and my back and my neck and my head and oh, my feet cramp. I feel like I'm getting old. As, as my body fades, as my car fades, as this house needs maintenance and it fades, the word of God abides forever. He remains consistent. He remains forever. He is full authority. He's in full control. And that's what I can rest in. My security is in him. My security is in him. Knowing that he's in control of everything. That should this house fall on me right now, he's in total control. That nothing passes outside of his authority. Nothing passes outside of his goodness, of his graciousness. 
He didn't need us in the creation of the world. He didn't need us in even salvation of the world. But he's giving us an opportunity to have a relationship with him. And that our trust, our assurance, our hope, our eternal destiny, our earthly experience would be rooted in the one who is in full control. If it's rooted in me, things around me crumble every day. I'm crumbling every day. My friends are reliable some, reliable other times, unreliable other times. We get into arguments with our family. We have disagreements. Our car doesn't work the way it should. We run out of money or we make a lot of money, but we have a lot of stress. This world is fading. This world is weary. This world is inconsistent. And the world is passing away along with the lust of it. But those who trust in the word of God abide forever. We only have hope in God. This earth is fading. A judgment will happen. He will restore all things new. But for us to avoid, for us to not just run from the judgment, although, yeah, I don't want, I don't want that. I run from, from earthly judgment. I don't want earthly judgment. I don't want, I don't want earthly consequences. I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to get in trouble. I definitely don't want to get in trouble by the one who created heaven and earth of all that is seen and unseen. Gotta, gotta get right with him. And the only way to do that is through Jesus accepting his sacrifice upon my life, seeking him through his word, knowing who he is, knowing who you are, in light of who he is, surrendering to him and trusting in him on a day-to-day basis, knowing that he's in full control. If we can do that, we can have that rest. He gives it to us anyway, but we can experience what that means and what that looks like when we make the conscious decision to rest in him. He is our security. He's our insurance. He's our provider. And we, if we know that, it's going to happen. Regardless of what happens in life, he's there. So thank you for your question. I know I was long-winded. I have a tendency to do that. But if you uh, have any other questions, send us a message, Proof Beyond Reason. You can search us on Facebook, Instagram. We're on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes. Um, send us a message. Uh, you can email us at proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. That's proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. And if we get your question, we'll be happy to answer it. But in the meantime, thank you for joining. This is Mike the Baptist signing off.